Welcome to the By Study and By Faith podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, showcasing BYU devotionals that blend reason and science with faith, university disciplines with discipleship, and the scholarly with the sacred. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. This devotional address, entitled Theology and Technology, was given on May 8th of 2001 by Thomas L. Erickson, then director of the BYU School of Technology. I'm really honored to speak to you today. And, uh, however, uh, I am somewhat humbled by this opportunity. This experience reminds me uh, of an instance about 20 years ago when I responded to an editorial that I heard on WGN Radio in Chicago. Shortly after sending a written response to the station, I, re I received a call indicating that they'd like to have me come and tape a response for broadcast. Luckily, I wore a suit to the station because when I arrived, I was informed that the taping would take place on the set for the evening news program with a teleprompter. You know, it hadn't crossed my mind that WGN was both a radio and a television station, and my response was to be broadcast. Needless to say, I was a little bit nervous that day. Well, my remarks today will focus on theology and technology. I've chosen these topics for obvious reasons. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and a BYU faculty member, I have a great interest and commitment to theology. And as a director of BYU School of Technology, I also have a great commitment and interest in technology. I believe that technology and theology are linked, intertwined, if you will. I will share some perspectives of each, after which I will discuss the interrelationships. You know, we live in a wonderful time, a time when the marvels of technology have in most instances made life and work much easier, albeit more complex. President James E. Faust at the October 99 General Priesthood meeting noted this. He said, quote, the miracles of modern technology have brought efficiency into our lives in ways not dreamed of a generation ago. Yet with this new technology has come a deluge of new challenges to our morals and our values. Some tend to rely more on technology than on theology." End of quote. Many in our global society are relying more on technology, its products, and its benefits than they are relying on theology and God. This concern is not limited to President Faust and our Church. To counteract the detrimental effects of technology, some religious groups have made the relationships between theology and technology a point of doctrine. For example, the Amish reject many modern technological advances like automobiles, television, electricity, and modern clothing fashions in an attempt to maintain a strong focus on God. Of course, we need to realize that theology clearly benefits from technology. President Faust further stated, quote, I hasten to add that scientific knowledge, the marvels of communication, the wonders uh, of modern medicine have come from the Lord to enhance his work throughout the world. As an example, the church's family search website has more than 7 million hits a day, end of quote. There is no doubt that technology benefits and complements the church. While I will discuss the benefits in more detail later, 
it must also be understood that technology is like a two-way street. It goes both ways. That is, it has both positive and negative effects. And while technology can be used to benefit theology in its purpose of bringing to pass the eternal life and exaltation of mankind, likewise, technology can be used by the adversary to benefit his purposes, which are to destroy goodness and to stop eternal progression. May I quote President Faust again, quote, But Satan, of course, is aware of this great progress in technology and likewise takes advantage of it for his purposes, which are to destroy and despoil. He delights in the pornography on the Internet and the sleaze in many of our movies and television shows. End of quote. Technology is a very powerful tool that can be used by both sides in the battle for salvation. At this point, I'd like to discuss technology. My comments may seem a little academic. However, I will try to refrain from technobabble, which is using confusing technical jargon. I'll try my best. What is technology? If we were to conduct a Jay Leno-type jaywalking survey, asking people on the street what technology means, I would predict that 95% of the respondents would answer with the word computers, or maybe the Internet, uh, or something closely related to computers or the Internet. <clears throat> Does technology equate to or mean only computers? I think not. Today, there does not seem to be a clear definition of what technology is. The term has many meanings. To some, it means applied science. To others, it means gadgets, devices, and machines. To yet others, it means a complex social enterprise or a process. What then is technology? First, let's look at the dictionary definition, which is, one, the application of tools and methods, two, method of applying technical knowledge, three, some of a society's or a culture's knowledge. There are two words in this definition that resonate, knowledge and application. It's interesting to note that John H. Gibbons, when he was the director of the U.S. Congress's Office of Technology Assessment, defined technology as, quote, applied human knowledge, end of quote, which, by the way, is probably the most succinct definition of the word technology. To help gain a greater understanding of what technology is, let me share with you uh, the results of some discussions and debates that five doctoral students, a new assistant professor, and I uh, had about 14 years ago when we were at the University of Illinois. This technology study group met weekly over a two-year period with the express purpose of creating an innovative program to prepare a unique kind of technology teacher for the 21st century. Our discussions about technology were spirited, and as I recall, our vision became more focused as we examined characterizations of technology. In a scholarly paper about the philosophy of technology, Dr. Rodney Fry, then a technology education faculty member at Bethel College in North Newton, Kansas, a Mennonite institution, Citing Mitchum's work, I identified four major characterizations of technology. They are technology as object, technology as process, technology as knowledge, and technology as volition. I will briefly describe these three characterizations. 
The first level of characterization views technology as an object or a thing. At this level, technology is viewed as tools, machines, and devices that are produced and used by humans. In fact, it could easily be argued that technology as object is the layperson's definition. Again, many people view technology and computers as the same thing. However, computers are a technological device. The second level of characterization views technology as a process or a system. This characterization suggests that application or the use of devices in systems is technology. The focus is not on the device or the object, rather, it is on the application in a system or a process. The internet is a good example of a technological system at this level of characterization. The third level of characterization views technology as knowledge. This perspective suggests that technology has its own unique knowledge base and modes of inquiry that underlie technological objects and systems. Some would suggest that, from this perspective, technology is a new academic discipline. And, in fact, in the early 90s, I wrote an article in support of that proposition. Remember our definition of technology? Part of that definition said that it was a society or the, a culture's knowledge. Let's move on to the fourth level. The fourth level of characterization views technology as volition or human will. In this characterization, char, excuse me, in this characterization, the uh, uh, objects and processes and knowledge of technology all become a means to extend capability to meet human needs and human wants. Volition means the ability to make conscious choices about which technologies to, which technologies to develop and use. It also suggests that humans can control or be controlled by technology. Our Illinois study group, after further analysis, discussion, and debate, determined that in its simplest form, technology is a synergistic noumenon that occurs through the interaction of knowing, thinking, and doing while extending human capabilities. Now, if any of you know what a noumenon is, uh, you get an A for the day. I'll tell you what it is now. A noumenon is an object that is conceived by reason and consequently can thinkable but not knowable by the senses. In effect, a noumenon is a phenomenon that cannot be seen. Technology, then, is not just knowledge. It's not just doing. It is, and it's not just thinking. It is the intersection or interaction of all three. From the perspective of technology as a noumenon, the physical phenomenon of technology was deemed by this Illinois study group as technological activity. In effect, what most people consider technology to be, from our perspective, was actually technological activity. Whether my definition of technology is accurate or not, technology should suggest action or interaction, but it's not just application or doing. Technology should be thoughtful action based on human values and core values with the purpose of extending our capabilities. As I said earlier, technology is applied human knowledge or it might also be considered human ingenuity in action. You know, another aspect of technology is that it's often irreversible. That is, once deployed, it's difficult to go back or to go without it. Take, for example, automobiles. How many of us really want to go back to the days of the horse and buggy? 
Do you have any idea how many tons of horse manure were generated daily by the cabs in New York at the turn of the last century? Uh, I'm not sure I want to go back there. Uh, or do we want to, or would we want to do without things like power door locks or remote keyless entry on our cars? What about computers or photocopiers or CD players? I certainly do not want to go back to the days when we had uh, when, we, when technology was not as prevalent as it is today. Now I would like to talk about theology. We'll shift gears here a little bit. And then we'll talk about the relationship between theology and technology. Since I've tried to define technology for you, let's begin by defining theology. The dictionary defines theology as, one, the study of religion, especially the Christian faith and God's relation to the world. Two, Religious theory, school of thought, or system of belief. Three, course of religious training. As students at BYU, you are involved in studying religion, especially the Christian faith. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we espouse a religious theory, and we have a system of belief. We have some beliefs that are common among religions, and we have some beliefs that are unique to our church. I don't have time today to list all of our beliefs, However, the basics of our theology are described in the Articles of Faith. Thirteen brief statements that outline our beliefs. That, by the way, um, <clears throat> many of us memorized when we were in primary, and then we had the opportunity to recite them to our bishops prior to primary graduation. Additional aspects of our theology come from the standard works and the words of the living apostles and prophets. Is there a relationship between theology and technology? It is clear that technological activity, technology, if you will, has had and will continue to have significant impacts on the major institutions of society, which are family, education, economics, politics, including the military, and religion. There is no doubt that technology has changed the institutions of society, and the rate of change is accelerating. Elder L. Tom Perry stated that, quote, as technology sweeps through every facet of life, changes are occurring so rapidly that it can be difficult to keep our lives in balance, end of quote. Individuals and families are being impacted as a result of technology and technological changes. While many examples could be cited at this point, I'd like to focus on the generation gap. While there has always been a generation gap, it appears that the gap is widening as a result of technology. Due to, the due to the accelerating pace of change, the world that you have grown up in is significantly different from the one your parents grew up in. And your children's world will have even greater differences from your world because of the pace and scope of technological advancement. I went to high school and served my mission in the 1960s, a time that was very different from today. In many respects, I grew up in the last stages of the industrial age, while my children have grown up in the information age. Case in point, um, one of my favorite songs from my high school days was the Beach Boys, Beach Boys song, Little Deuce Coop. You know, my children don't know what a Little Deuce Coop is, and furthermore, they probably don't care. Likewise, when my son Bob was playing in a heavy metal garage band, I really did not understand or did I appreciate the electronics of music, nor did I especially appreciate the electronics of music amplification. 
And by the way, we did not let Bob Spann practice in our garage. Technology does not have to widen the generation gap if we embrace the concept of lifelong learning. My father, another Bob Erickson, uh, who, by the way, just turned 80, or maybe it was uh, 39 for the 41st time, uh, is trying to keep up with the times. He's become a relatively sophisticated computer user. Last fall, he and his brother, Gene, attended Comdex Las Vegas, one of the largest computer trade shows, and they attended to keep up with the latest and greatest computer stuff. He is able to discuss computers with his grandchildren, many who work full-time in computing. As we consider technology and theology, it is interesting that many of our church leaders believe that technology has come as a direct result of inspiration from the Lord. Elder Joseph Fielding Smith, in the October 1926 General Conference, stated the following, quote, I maintain that had there been no restoration of the gospel and no organization of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there would have been no radio, have been no airplane, and there would not have been the wonderful discoveries in medicine, chemistry, electricity, and the many other things wherein the world has benefited by such discoveries. Under such conditions, these blessings would have been withheld, for they belong to the dispensation of the fullness of times, of which the restoration of the gospel and the organization of the church constitute the central point, from which radiates the Spirit of the Lord throughout the world. The inspiration of the Lord has gone out and takes hold of the minds of men, though they know it not, and they are directed by the Lord. In this manner, he brings them into his service that his purposes and his righteousness in due time may be supreme on the earth. He further stated, again, uh, I do not believe for one moment that these discoveries have come by chance or that they have come because of superior intelligence possessed by men today over those who lived in ages that are past. They have come and are coming because the Lord has willed it and because he has poured out his spirit on all flesh, end of quote. This statement was made at a general conference 75 years ago. As we contemplate the technological innovation since that time, we can see the Lord's hand in providing the technologies to further his work. Early leaders of the church embraced technology. For example, in 1861, President Brigham Young contracted to build the telegraph system from Nebraska to California. He also used this opportunity to build a telegraph line from southern Idaho to northern Arizona to connect the members of the church in the Intermountain West. Adopting this new technology provided a means for the church to communicate with the world. Church leaders have always placed a premium on communication technologies. I remember as a young deacon traveling with my father and grandfather to the Stake Center in Chicago each April and October to listen to the telephone wire transmission of general priesthood meeting. Can you imagine being 12 years old, sitting on hard pews, and listening to a conference session over the PA system? What a joy it was when WGN-TV in Chicago decided to broadcast one hour of general conference on Sunday morning. Of course, general priesthood meeting was still only a sound-only telephone transmission. When cable TV was emerging, our local community cable system carried a full session of general conference. 
Imagine real-time conference on the TV, or was it tape delayed? I just don't remember for sure. But before we knew it, stake centers had satellite dishes, which enabled us to receive all conference sessions in real time and without commercials. We could even get some BYU games via these satellite dishes. Now, that was a real advancement. And now, members of the world, uh, and members of the, uh, members, and now members worldwide have access to general conference via the internet. This is but one example of how the church embraces new technologies. Other examples include the uses of computers in family history research, in tracking and updating membership records, and in ge the general administration of the church. My father, who currently serves as a ward membership clerk, uh, told me that in the 1960s, the church had difficulty handling 3,000 membership record changes and updates per day, all done by hand. It could take up to four months for changes to be recorded and verified. Today, he can submit membership record updates electronically on Sunday and have verification by Tuesday of the same week. And we now have more than 11 million members and still growing. While the church has many, our church has many unique beliefs, we are an action-oriented church, a church of doers, if you will. This aspect of our religion also shows the link between theology and technology, as doing is core to technology. Elder Hartman Rector Jr. noted this, quote, the theology of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is such that you cannot be passive, end of quote. We can't be passive. We must be active. In effect, the church purports a gospel of action or doing. Membership requires action. It takes action to learn the gospel and the commandments. It takes action to keep the commandments and to live a Christ-like life. To be a disciple of Christ, we have to receive the law and do it, as is stated in the 41st section of the Doctrine and Covenants. James, in the New Testament, noted that faith is difficult, if not impossible, to have without action and application when he stated that, quote, faith without works is dead, end of quote. James further encouraged members to be, quote, doers of the word, not hearers only, end of quote. We are members of a doing church. As I recall, President Kimball had a slogan on his desk that simply said, do it. His watchwords to the church were to lengthen our stride. He also had the words changed in the chorus of the song, I'm a child of God, from teach me all that I must know to teach me all that I must do to live with him someday. It clearly takes more than knowledge to return to God after this life. It takes knowledge and thoughtful action. We are a people of doers and hard workers. You know, we even have hymns about work. For example, put your shoulder to the wheel. We should follow the example of the Savior who did not stand idly by. He was active in learning, line upon line, precept upon precept. He was a carpenter, a teacher, and a tireless worker. He applied his knowledge and experience in doing good. President Hinckley noted in his new book, Standing for Something, that, quote, nothing of real substance comes without work, end of quote. He further stated, quote, I believe in the gospel of work. Work is the miracle by which talent is brought to the surface and dreams become reality, end of quote. Of course, doing and work require action and application. We won't accomplish much by just thinking about it. President Hinckley noted that, quote, 
Our pioneer forebears could never plow a field by turning it over in their minds, end of quote. So too, we must apply our knowledge. Of course, knowledge can be applied for good or evil. That two-way street I mentioned earlier. Leaders of the church have encouraged us to use our knowledge and capabilities to build the kingdom. As students, you're preparing for your life's work, work in the home, in the church, and in the professions. President Spencer W. Kimball believed that technological development has come to further the work of the Lord. He stated, quote, I believe that the telephone and telegraph and other such conveniences were permitted by the Lord to be developed for the express purpose of building the kingdom. Others may use them for business, professional, or other purposes, but basically they are to build the kingdom, end of quote. How will you apply the technological knowledge and experience you have gained in building the kingdom? While each will have to answer this question for himself or herself, let me share some examples of BYU graduates who are applying their technological knowledge in building the kingdom. Russ Mumford, a December 99 construction management graduate, is the project engineer for the construction of the Nauvoo Temple. In this position, he serves as second-in-command at the construction site. He is applying what he learned at BYU in literally building the kingdom in temples. Randy Bryson, a 1983 graduate of the Electronics Engineering Technology Program, is the director for the church department that is responsible for family, the Family Search website, one of the most heavily hit sites on the internet. In this position, he led the team that put together the Ellis Island Project and loaded the information on the internet. He works with stakes and wards in teaching how to use the internet for family history. Randy is applying his technological knowledge in the family history arena. Audrey Boone, a 1992 graduate of the Technology Teacher Education Program and a member of the Navajo Nation, has been teaching at Monument Valley High School in Monument Valley, Utah, since graduation. In addition to teaching technology education, she has served as a seminary teacher. Audrey is applying her technological knowledge in teaching the rising generation. Charles Harrell, a 1976 manufacturing technology graduate, has become an expert in computer-based simulation. He developed ProModel, a very powerful manufacturing simulation software package that is being used by the church to plan and simulate in units like the church's family history unit, the missionary department, and the MTC. At the MTC, for example, ProModel is used to simulate traffic flow when missionaries are dropped off and to simulate the delivery of food service for the missionaries. Charlie, now a BYU faculty member, is, is applying his technological knowledge in helping to strengthen the administration and operation of the church. Deborah Benson, who earned her Master's of Science degree in 1983, initially worked for ProModel. She now works for Intermountain Healthcare and the Engineering Management Division, where she uses simulation to improve hospital operations and reduce costs. She currently serves as a counselor in her stake young women's presidency. She is applying her knowledge in her profession and she's providing leadership in the church. Darren Gardner graduated from the facilities management program in 98. He works for the church in the planning division uh, the uh, of the facilities management department. As a facility planner, he works with a team that analyzes where all new meeting houses will be located and built and when they should be remodeled or expanded. He also speaks daily with stake presidents to assist them in their physical facility needs. Darren is applying his technological knowledge in strengthening stakes and wards with their meeting house needs. 
Brett Turner, December 99 construction management graduate, is a project superintendent for Fulton Homes in Tempe, Arizona. He's advancing rapidly in his chosen profession, and like many BYU graduates, he's providing leadership in the local wards. Brett was called as a counselor in his bishopric a short time after moving to Arizona. He again is applying his knowledge in his profession in providing needed church service. In summary, I believe that theology and technology are inseparably linked. Technology, as I said earlier, is knowing, thinking, and doing. Our theology is knowing and choosing the right and doing the right. Theology provides a value structure for developing and deploying appropriate technologies. Technology provides the means for communicating the good news of the gospel and theology to the inhabitants of the world and to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of the operation of the church. In closing, I'd like to share with you part of the second verse of the hymn, Have I Done Any Good? There are chances for work all around just now, opportunities right in our way. Do not let them pass by saying, sometime I'll try, but go and do something today. Brothers and sisters, opportunities abound in our technological society, but we must do something about them. Make sure that you apply your education and experience in building the kingdom. Go and do something today. In the name of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the By Study and By Faith podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.